Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Joshua T. Berglund, and we are on the Live Model Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Thank you so much for being here. I uh, want to tell you really quick, if you don't know already, if you're watching on social media or another platform, uh, you can download the Live Model Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast app. You can just put Live Model Worldwide in when you're searching on Roku or Amazon Fire. Uh, you can find all of our content there or by downloading the E360 app on your smart TV. So that's Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire. And of course, if you're listening on the podcast, I want to give you guys some love too. Uh, we appreciate your support. <clears throat> Last month, because of you, while we were kicked off of social media, and I have a frog in my throat, I think, that's trying to make love to my tonsils. <clears throat> anyway, um, we had over a million uh, views on our website, people watching our content. And I just want to say thank you so much for your support. It's a lot of growth, especially with people so used to just listening on podcasts, listening on social media or watching on social media for you guys to all come over uh, to our website to watch and to read our content. It means a lot. So thank you so much. Today is going to be a very interesting, very interesting broadcast, um, <clears throat> especially in the nature that we're in right now. You know, I, I was, I'll never forget where I was during 9-11. Uh, I was at Walmart. And when all of a sudden I saw the airplanes fly into the Twin Towers. And I know some people believe it's CGI. And, you know, there's a lot of different theories out there. And, and I, I'll, I'll avoid going there right now. But believe me, I have some very strong, strong opinions about this. But the world as we knew it was flipped upside down, at least my generation. Uh, we were dealing with terrorism <clears throat> um, in a way that, well, I mean, it was in our face for the first time. And now all of a sudden, you know, we don't hear terrorism quite as much, the orange alerts, the red alerts, all that stuff. It's, it's gone now, but terrorism is very, very active. Now, who are the terrorists? Again, I have my opinion. But why I'm excited about our guest today, Mr. Joseph Leonard, uh, Joseph M. Leonard, Leonard is he's wrote an amazing book on this subject. Um, and it's not, it, I, from my understanding, it's a fiction book and it's kind of a family story, but it's also about terrorism. And uh, everything I've seen about it is very, very interesting. And I have to say to myself, who writes a, a fiction book about terrorism and then the family and all this stuff? And, and, and to me, it says somebody that spent a lot of time researching this um, and has really, really tapped into the heart and soul that is affected by terrorism. Now, I'm just guessing here because I haven't read his book yet. Um, and I have about 35 videos to go through of really powerful stuff just when I was skimming over it. But I, this is going to be really, really interesting, to say the least, because there's a lot of different things going on, like in, you know, in Ukraine and Russia um, and then all over the world. There's all kinds of different wars and proxy wars happening that could be deemed terrorism. Um, this is a lot of stuff out there. It's a lot of craziness going on. But I have a feeling our guest um, is going to help make some sense of it all. I sure hope he does. If not, it's just going to be one heck of a conversation anyway. So with that said, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we'll be right back after this. <laughs>
them rolling out the red carpet, the red carpet, the red carpet. You want them rolling out the red carpet, the red carpet, the red carpet. You want the finest things, the diamond rings, designer jeans, all minor things in the widest scheme. But at what cost to realize your dreams? Been bleeding in the wheel more, put the crown of thorns on still more. My mic bloody cause I kill more, but I'm still poor. Bottom's where I started, but I get to the top and park it. Thug up in a harlot, my battery needs charging. And to reach my target is the illest in the market. It's some liquid from my arteries, will spill onto the carpet, yeah. Everybody want fame, nobody. Nobody wanna work for it. Nah. Want them all to know your name. Don't wanna see no hurt for it. You wanna see the red carpet. The red carpet. The red. We are back. My name is Joshua T. Berglund, and we are on the Libmono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Thank you again for being here. Uh, this is gonna be a lot of fun. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my new friend, Joseph. M. Leonard. What's up, Joseph? How you doing, man? Hi. Hello to you, Joshua. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, hello to everybody out there watching. I greatly appreciate this opportunity, and I know the intro you talk about or you display a <clears throat> talk show like no other, and I'm glad you do that because I get to segue to my book is a book like no other. And that's because I'm not your traditional classically trained writer. I don't believe in the the book has to be like this. It goes like this. You got to have that. You got to have this blacklist and that blacklist. Uh-uh. I break the rules. <laughs> I do use a book within a book. You know, that's the normal, traditional, easy way to make a story flow. My character, Martin, M-A-R-T-E-N, is indeed a family man uh, and a Christian, and we'll probably get into that. He's a journalist. So he decides to write a book about terrorism. So my book is about him writing a book about terrorism called Terrorist Tracks. And we follow him, his family, his friend, uh, 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 oh boy. I'm forgetting my character Nicholas's name here. <laughs> Nicholas, who's with the FBI. But I also employ this new thing, something that I hope may be a trend, because I'm a former IT guy. So I wrote blogs, you know, long before the term blog was ever even created, hmm. long before the Internet even existed. You know, way back, you remember way back when you used to have a computer with a 300-baud modem in it? And you had to die. I'm not that old, man. No. <laughs> my apologies. Well, some no, it's okay. I'm just giving you that. Time. Some of your listeners or viewers will remember those days. 300 baud modem, and you get that squawking connect sound, and you upload and download things. So I was blogging before the term was invented, as I said. So I employ this new strategy, an innovation in books a blog within a book. I share Martin's blog on 9-11 that he wrote in 2003 after 9-11. So there's a really unique approach in this and why I say this is a book like no other you've ever read. 
It sounds like it. But before I get into all the fun stuff, Joseph, what are you grateful for today and why? I, I'm sorry, uh, repeat the question. This is my only planned question ever. What are you grateful for today and why? Oh, oh, uh, life in general, because uh, one of the sub-themes in this book mm -hmm. is PTSD, survivor's oh. guilt, suicide prevention. Oof. So be grateful for life and that you're here. We're on the right side of the lawn, as the joke goes, right? That's, you know what, normally I don't let people off the hook with an answer, but you did you explained it perfectly. I like this a lot, especially with the nature of this book. I really can't wait to read it because the heart of this goes to one of my earliest memories of having this, this idea that the world could all get along. And I, and I saw life through the lens where I was always attracted to people that looked differently than me. So when I was living in Boca Raton, Florida, and I remember being at Walmart when the planes hit the towers, I remember the words that people were saying. And I'm like, I have a friend from Iraq. She's a, she's a doctor. She fled Saddam, became a doctor, like the hell she went through to get to America. And now here she is in this, like a, an upstanding citizen. And now she's being attacked or people like her are being attacked. And then just the other comments. And, and I remember this friend, I grew up around Persian people and, and like in my, and I had so much love for them and just people from all over the Middle East. And I'm like, they're not bad people. And I never even considered that a Muslim could be bad, or I never considered that, you know, these people that I love could be terrorists. But now all of a sudden, everyone's pointing a finger at them. My worldview, even though I was pretty messed up on other stuff, my worldview about other people dramatically changed on that day. So I, this subject to me is, is not is, is significant because of what it all ushered in, what the freedoms that we gave up because of that day. So why did, let me ask you this, the very first question I have for you, other than gratitude, gratitude, why did you write this book? Why did you feel led to write a book like this? Well, I felt called, quite frankly. Mm. And this book began in 2006, and it oh. just didn't work out. Mm. And then last year, I felt an overwhelming urge that this book needs to come out at this time. And one of those reasons why, and, and let me sidetrack a bit. You mentioned the diversity of people that you know, because I'm from the Detroit, Michigan area, and people don't understand that. And I cover this in the book, especially in the Hell on Earth chapter. Yeah. Uh, Detroit is very diverse. We have, you know, like you think San Francisco and they have the little Chinatown. And, well, we've got little Mexican town and we've got a very strong Iraqi uh, enclave and another Dearborn, Michigan, very Arabic Muslim enclave. So, and it's important to say, and this book reiterates several times, not every terrorist is a Muslim. Not every Muslim is an Arab. Not every Arab is a Muslim. So it's important to say that. But the importance of this book at this time 
is let me put it to you this way, and this is not to plug the, the name of the book per se. You can plug it. I use DuckDuckGo and Jibberoo usually for my searches, but I would like all of you out there who think terrorism doesn't exist anymore <clears throat> to go to google.com slash alerts and set up a Google alert daily, um, you know, just once a day to get a report. Put in terror strikes. Now, again, that's not a ploy to get you a daily reminder. That, <laughs> that is to show you that you don't realize terrorism is happening on a daily basis all over the place. You're just not hearing about it. And you're not hearing about it because the media has been focused on the Wuhan virus paranoia, a virus with a 98 eight percent survivability rate but that's what they've been hyping and you've just not heard about these except for perhaps the Wilkeshaw Wisconsin attack where a, a deranged man who is Muslim and decided to attack Christians at a Christmas parade but again not all Muslims are terrorists there are a lot of good Muslims. I know them. Yeah. They don't think this way, but there are some warped jihadist mindsets out there. And had he been put behind bars for trying to run down his significant other, he wouldn't have been there and able to mow down people at the Christmas parade. But that's just one event you've heard of. There are dozens, hundreds, thousands you haven't. And if you set up a Google alert for terror strikes, you'll realize my book is important for this time and you need to read it. <clears throat> yeah, you're you're on to something. And, and listen, I there the radical Christian movement is just as scary. You just don't hear about it as much. You know, people think that stopped after the Crusades. Like, and like, this is equal. There's you know, there's a lot of sects of different religions around the world that have extremists and they are terrorists um, and they're doing things in the name of their God. But so I want to emphasize your point about this is that not all Muslims are terrorists um, at all. I mean, in fact, the woman that took me in after I was homeless was Muslim and she taught me more about prayer and a relationship with God that I ever learned as a man of, as, as you know, as I ever learned in a church or from anyone else. Like this, to watch her pray every single day, it, it taught me a lot. So I know that there's some extremely amazing Muslims, and I believe that there's an agenda to get us to go at war. And if you read Albert Pike's letter from the you know late 1700s, you know this was kind of planned out. This was a this is a lot of this is scripted. So anyway, with that said, so tell us about your book. Like what what's I obviously know it's important, but why is it important for today? Other than the fact that we have terrorist strikes and terrorist threats all around us, whether we hear it or not, that is a reality. But why is this book important today? Well, it's important today in part, again, because like I said, due to the Wuhan lockdowns, people have this false sense that terrorism stopped. Yeah. And it has not. It's there. And it could be coming to a city near you real soon. 
And I don't say that to be hyperbolic. Mm-hmm. It's a fact. I mean it. The people of Waukesha, Wisconsin, never would have dreamed some loon was going to mow them down during their Christmas parade. So there is that. And this is really a faction book, part fact, part fiction. It's a blend. And uh, you're going to learn a lot of things you really didn't know. History that has been blocked. History you never learned. Or history you've forgotten about that you need to be reminded of. And there's a lot of people who swore after 9-11 to never forget. Well, now with the Wuhan virus uh, paranoia, and sorry about the phone. I just, okay. Don't sweat it, man. It's inevitable something's going to go wrong, right? Yeah, we did a show in a shadow prison. You should have heard those noises. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but people swore to never forget, and they kind of have. So that's why it's been really important for this time now to remind people and to teach history. This book, I say, is for all people, young and old. But share it with someone you know in high school, a niece or a nephew or a grandchild, because there's a lot of history they're not learning. Uh, There's a whole lot of radicalism and ranch going on in the schools and not a focus on reading, writing, arithmetic, and history. So there's a lot of important things in there, as well as the fictional story about family values and life. This is a book about life, not death, life and living, and those both foreign and domestic that want to deprive you of your life liberty and the pursuit of happiness. This is also not a book, uh, a shoot 'em up blood and guts. This is not Rambo, first blood. This is not a macho, macho, lot of blood and guts. This is for men and women, okay? It's for the religious and non-religious and political and non-political because I didn't sit down to write a Christian book per se, though some will say it is, because I am a Christian and I am an author, therefore, de facto, I must be a Christian author. But (laughs) it's a true book. You cannot have a book about terrorism and not delve into religion and politics. It's the reason they want to kill us. Yeah, there's there is a lot of that. But in your research and writing this book, did you ever get into who was funding these terror cells? Did you get into that? I don't go into it much into the book because I didn't want to rewrite War and Peace. I wanted a reasonably length book that dealt into the main theme and some sub-themes. There was originally meant to be a chapter called Terror Havens that would have delved into the different places it exists and who is indeed funding them. But I opted to go out for that so that I could release a $20 book in this time of inflation and everybody's uh, difficulties on their budget. So you still could have an entertaining read for just 20 bucks rather than a $30, 600 page book. 
maybe at some point sometime there's a director's cut movie that's longer and maybe at some point in the future i'll do a director's cut of terror strikes that'll be 500 pages and go into those other things and more in depth i well I, the, it's interesting you bring that up because i literally as we when we first started talking i was like this is the kind of terrorism movie that I would want to watch. I've seen enough of the other stuff where it's, I mean, listen, I like action movies as much as anybody, but this seems to be like a, a nice drama, a good story to have heart behind it, to show that while everyone's trying to make you afraid, you can live your life. You can still have family values. You can still worship your Lord. Uh, you can still worship Jesus. And in the face of all of this, because, well, God's pretty clear in the Bible. Do not fear, like, especially if you're one of God's children. And so fear, fear is indeed one of the greatest things they use against us. It's a motivator and they want you to be afraid. And I want to share something from the back of my book. Here's my cover. Here's I love that cover, man. There's a uh, clock on it. Sniper uh, marksman uh, that marks there, but the main thing is the clock. Time is nigh. Time is running out. Whether there's terrorism or not, we've only got a short life to live. But I want to read this part on the back because you mentioned again back to Christianity. When a journalist sets out to write a book about terrorism, he learns more than he bargained for. Will his sacrifices, important word there, be worth it? Will anyone pay attention? Can America be saved? And I want to focus on that last word there for a second. Saved. Because it's meant as a double entendre. And I know when we use that word, people think it means a sexual implication underneath it. No, I mean it in a double meaning. And I discussed with my publisher at length whether that word should have a capital S or not for people to get the double meaning. Saved in the traditional secular sense of saving something, but also saved with a capital S in the religious sense. And that's not the only double meaning in the book, which again, why I said at the top, this is not like any other book you've read. So I, I relate to you on this because when we wrote our book, uh, The Devil Inside Me, uh, which is my story, I didn't want to write it like anyone else. I wrote it episodically and wrote it in a different order where each story could be its own thing, but they obviously intersected. And I wrote it kind of like a schizophrenic would write it because at the time I was pretty schizophrenic. <laughs> but, you know, I put the disclaimer at the beginning saying, listen, this is not going to be normal. And, you know, you may have to read it a chapter at a time because it's, it's heavy and there's a lot there. But I, but I also find a lot of great joy in writing um, the way I like my writing style, even though it's different, it doesn't look like anyone else's, but this is how I enjoy expressing myself. So I have a lot of respect for you from that standpoint, because it's not easy to go against the grain to do something different when, you know, any, any uh, publisher, uh, anyone that pub you know, publishes books for you, there, there's a way, they have a formula that works that helps you get the best seller. And, you know, anyone that has the balls to go, eh, 
I want to do it this way and does it, I have a lot of respect for it. Yeah, I'm not out to be a New York Times bestseller. If it happens, that would be great. I'd love yeah, it. Yeah. I sat down to write a book that is important to me, and I know if you read it, you'll get aspects out of it that are important to you. And I'm glad to use the word schizophrenic because there's a couple places in my book where I purposely point out the fact that Martin's going through a confusing time himself. So there's a bit of schizophrenia and back and forth and why is this ordered the way it is when you read it that you'll also pick up on? It sounds like we're on the same plane there because, yes, indeed, I meant for this to be a different book. And it's meant to be that way for a reason. It's not meant to be formulaic. And I break it up a bit, the chapters, like the terrorism chapters are kind of spread out a bit, interlaced with the other parts and aspects of the story so that someone who isn't per se interested in a suspense thriller about terrorism can still get great a great read of the family value story that is one of the major sub themes in here so you're not spending too much time on any one particular focus so that a reader doesn't get bored or fed up with i you know do i really like where this is going or not it it changes pace throughout the book of quite a bit I love it. I love it. What kind of pushback have you had, if any? Well, I've not had a lot of immediate pushback yet because this is early in the journey. Okay. The book literally just came out for Kindle early release last month. The book, the soft cover itself, doesn't actually physically ship until April 15th. Well, why April 15th? April 15th is, for one, Good Friday. For two, Taxman Tyranny Day. <laughs> so there's a very important double meaning right there to the release date. I like the strategy a lot. So I want to ask you something else. Because I know right now, I mean, I don't... I don't know why the United States is saying that they can't go into Ukraine and, you know, help fight Russia and they're sending, you know, everybody else and they're sending supplies and all that stuff. But one of the things that I heard that I, I don't know if it's true or not, but I've heard this, that Russia and the United States have been at war, like after the Cold War, the war never really stopped. They've been at each other, but they've been fighting proxy wars through terrorist groups, basically. Is that correct? Yes, to some degree. Now, the obvious one is we created Al-Qaeda. Yeah. The Russians went into Afghanistan. We funded bin Laden and the Mujahideen to create Al-Qaeda to resist them. And yes, proxy wars are still going on today. Ukraine is another one. It's a hot proxy war as opposed to some of the Cold War. We didn't really end the Cold War very well. Uh, <laughs> you know, Bill Clinton thought we'd have this great peace dividend 
and took the, our eye off the ball in in some respects. Uh, and I don't want to, you know, make this a Democrat Republican thing because a, a lot of presidents did that, both Democrat and Republican. And unfortunately, it just seems to be the case that we're always going to be at odds. And, and frankly, I want us to be. We are a free republic. We believe in freedom of religion, mm -hmm. freedom of press, individual responsibility, personal freedom, suffering the consequences of your choices. And they are communists. There's no getting around that. Uh, you, We had uh, perestroika with Gorbachev, but... That was kind of a farce. And a lot of people out there seem to be Putin apologists, overlooking Putin's atrocities. Uh, I don't really go much into the book with this. It's only briefly mentioned because the book was more or less finished up before the Ukraine invasion. But in uh, Martin's blog that you're going to read, you're going to see Ukraine mentioned. This book is Prussian. It saw it coming that this was going to happen at some point, whether it was the Ukraine or the Baltics. And this, this nonsense about, well, Putin was pushed into the corner because of NATO, missed the point of the fact that the Baltic nations are now NATO nations and have been since 2008. So that's, that's a, an apologist excuse. A lot of people like to try to point out that Putin claims emphasis on claims to be a Christian. Well, Putin isn't evil. I'm sorry, I reject that notion too. He's also not stupid. He learned from history. He understands that one of the reasons the Soviet Union fell, it was, it was because it was an atheist state. So he claims to be a Christian, kind of like Biden and Pelosi claim to be Catholic. Yeah. Now, Putin said the United States has strayed from the Judeo-Christian foundations of our nation. Yeah, okay. A stop clock is right twice a day. That's a true statement. I would agree with that statement. <laughs> but he doesn't say that because he wants to be your friend. And he exactly. wants the United States to go back to its Christian roots. He says it to embarrass you. He says it to be a contrarian because he's pretending to be Christian to hold on to his power. We will always be at odds, just like we will always remain at odds with China. And I'm sorry, I, I kind of droned on there. No, no, it's fine. I, I don't, I, yeah, so we believe the same thing. It's very similar what Putin has done with bringing in all the churches and making them the official Judeo-Christian. It's very similar to what Constantine did with the Catholic Church when they went in and they converted the Christians over to this new style, which was really more of a pagan religion, then so they're they're serving a pagan god. And I actually think that Putin is very doing very, very similar. I the way I see this, I don't look at this as country versus country anymore. I personally, and call me crazy. But I've been following, I'm very big on the Antichrist, the beast system, the singularity, where we're going with technology and the fourth industrial revolution. I believe there's two new world orders at war. 
And I believe that Trump is on the new, new world order side of Putin and Z or whatever his name is. I believe that they're working together and Biden and NATO and them are the other new world order and they're at war and we are the prize, but they still serve one master because they're all Masons. Trump's a, a Scottish Rite Mason. Um, you know, they're, they're all part of the World Economic Forum. They all listen to Klaus Schwab. So it's almost like all of these wars that are going on is just, I mean, look, there's a lot of money involved, obviously. But this is, to me, is just a big freaking show. Yeah, people are dying. Yeah, there's a lot of bad stuff happening. But they want to remove every ounce of freedom we have and control us with a universal income, one world religion, and one world government monitored by AI. Yeah. Uh, well, you see that with American fascocrats, as I call them. They are far afoul from our founding fathers. And, uh, you know, they want to move us closer to Putin's system and away from ours. Yeah. And I want to preserve and maintain our freedoms. And I'm glad you mentioned the New World Order, because that's another one of the Putin apologist excuses. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, Putin is not a New World Order guy. He's fighting the New World Order. Well, yes. no, 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 no. He just no. wants to be in charge of the New World Order, yes. just like our guys want to be in charge of the New World Order. There's, yes. there's opposite sides of the same coin, so to speak. So he's not anti-New World Order. He just wants to make sure him and ZG are the top of the food chain when the new world order is ushered in. Yes. You're you're a hundred we are in a hundred percent agreement because NATO and then BRICS, uh, which is BRICS is the is the faction that's India, Brazil, Russia, China, North Korea, India, I think, they're all part of that. And then you have NATO. This all this playing out is just such a fascinating thing to watch, except unfortunately, everything we're seeing on our TVs is not real. I'm watching uh, my wife and I are watching this news channel out of India, and it seems to be this woman is I forgot her. I don't know her name. I don't even know the name of the channel. It's on YouTube, but it seems to be the only real news that I can find anywhere about anything. This woman is just hardcore telling the truth. Now, I know there's some other stuff that happens on that, that station that is kind of questionable. But I love it because she's kind of telling the truth about Russia and the United States at the same time. It's kind of like RT. If you've ever watched RT, yeah. it's considered Russian propaganda. But what they say about the United States is true. But what they say about Russia is full of crap. But what they say about the United States is true. So it's like... It goes back to what I it goes back to what I said about Putin about him saying to embarrass us because mm -hmm. and make useful idiots of some who are now indeed useful idiots running around being Putin apologists. Yeah, more than one thing can be true at the same time. Yes. More than one thing can be going on at the same time. So what they're saying about us has some truth in it, but what we're saying about them has some propaganda but also some truth in it yeah and that's why surface propaganda doesn't work unless if there's truth in it right it's like it's like, it's comedy. like comedy you can't yeah. 
you we have said to, the same thing at the same time. Talk. Yeah. We said you the same thing it. at the same time. It's like comedy. A good joke has a root of truth in it. Right? Like like uh Chris Rock's joke about Jaden. About the G.I. Jane 2 joke. Yeah. It was a good joke. It was kind it was, of a lame joke, but it was a good joke. And she doesn't really have alopecia either. I know what alopecia looks like. I've worked, I, I before I got into entertainment, actually how I got into entertainment is that a skincare line and we treated alopecia. So I know what it looks like. That is not alopecia on her head. This is all BS. That was a show and a distraction too. How do you know it's a distraction? Other than the still photos of them laughing um, <laughs> after the slap. Other than that, the fact that it's been in the news for two freaking weeks. That that would tell you enough because who really gives a crap about someone slapping somebody else for defending his wife? Yeah, it's not that big of a deal, but it was staged like everything else. Absolutely. I I here's my odd take on that. I don't know that the slap itself was necessarily staged, but I absolutely guarantee the joke was planned. You're a TV guy, you know. The cameraman had the camera on the Smiths, and the director cut to the Smiths as the joke was being told. That can only happen when it was planned or staged, and they knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. And the there's a conspiracy theory that Pfizer sponsored the Oscars, and Pfizer has an alopecia drug coming, so that's why it was all staged. <laughs> And I agree with you that this is not true alopecia, but they're trying to broaden the definition. I don't know if you ever watched Fox News, Greg Betfeld's show. I love love Greg, love his show. Pat Timp also has a mild, odd, kind of not quite alopecia, but bordering it where a lot of her hair comes out, but it's not full alopecia. So... She says kind of the same thing. It's clear part of it, whether the slap or not. Again, I'm not going to go full blown in. Oh, he hit him. There's no doubt. That was, it made contact. Yeah. So I think that reaction only was because his wife kind of, if you look closely over and over and over at the a million camera angles we have, she kind of inner chuckled. You could tell that inner laugh. But he bust a gut laughing. She turned to him and was pissed at him for laughing as vigorously as he did at the joke, more than being angry at Chris Rock for the joke. And he all of a sudden looked at her and her gazing at him and to me misread the situation, thinking she was all up in arms about Chris Rock. She was mad at him. For laughing so vigorously, he misread it and thought, oh, let me pull a Kanye. And that's when the slap came out. Yeah. He I made it remember. all about him. This was a Will Smith Kanye taking over the award show movement. I that's actually uh I can appreciate that. I, I don't believe it because I'm so I'm skeptical, like even Tiger Woods coming back and playing golf today. I, I even my brain now goes ah it's a psyop they're distracting us from something because <laughs> and I'm 
I will only watch golf if Tiger's playing. Like the only way I will sit in front of a TV and watch is to see him play. And which I never thought would happen again. So I was like, well, screw golf. I'm done. Well, sure enough, while I was working today, I had golf in the background. So, <laughs> which is, but even I, I, I'm so skeptical of everything now. It's, it's awful. Speaking of skeptical, I don't know if your book got into this at all, but are you familiar with Operation Trust? That's one I'm not, but I'm glad you mentioned conspiracy theory before you get to that, because I I try to avoid, I I touch on the fact, you know, because obviously the 9-11 hijackers conspired. There's, There's no question. Now, any of the other stuff, the Building 7 stuff, whether there were demolition of the Trade Center, blah, 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 blah. There is absolute, I stick with the known for sure conspiracy. Sure. They did conspire to hijack planes and fly them into that building. Any of the other stuff, I acknowledge truthers, but I don't go into it because I wanted to do an honest book. But again, I didn't want a five to 600 or 750 page book. So I acknowledge those questions remain. But I stuck with the one thing, and one thing I want to add about that is if we had a Rudy Giuliani-style broken windows policing policy on nine, before 9-11 nationwide, 9-11 may not have happened because we do know they were here over Visa. If we had a broken window policy and arrested them and deported them, Let's say we only got three of the uh, pilots. That means we would have only been able to fly into one building. 9-11 may not have been prevented, but it would have at least not been the major tragedy it is. It was. Now, I'm sorry. Now, the the uh, truth, I know. Uh, No, Operation Operation Trust. It's uh, the Russians did it in the uh, 1920s. And some believe it's still going on. You've heard of the Q movement, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, it, just for fun, when you get time, I know you're really busy with the, the, the book taking off. But when you get some time, read about Operation Trust and see what it reminds you of. It, if, I don't know how much you know about Q, but if you read the two, it's very like it just flows together. And if you think about what's playing out right now, it makes so much sense. Are you familiar with, um, did you ever see that 60 Minutes interview with Yuri? It was like back in 1981, the Russian KGB defected. Yeah. yeah. That told everybody how they were going to infiltrate the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I remember watching that as a kid. I never forgot it. And of course, thank God for YouTube, because now you can go watch it anytime. It is eerie how all of these things are playing out. It's just yep. amazing to me. Like, well, how not, much power do you need to be able to orchestrate something like this? It's just yeah. amazing to me. Well, and this goes back to the word conspiracy itself. Now, if you and I both like baseball, and I call you up and say, hey, let's get tickets behind home plate at, you know, whatever baseball game or a cricket match or whatever, technically that's in the basic definition of the term, still a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. All right, now it's a minor one. You've got a husband and a wife conspire for where are we going to take the kids for dinner? Well, that's <laughs> a benign conspiracy. 
Now, conspiracy, of course, is taken on this very dirty term. And I mean, there's criminal conspiracy in the RICO sense. Mm -hmm. uh, and we lock people up for that. But then there's also the World Economic Forum and Agenda 21 or Agenda 2030 or whatever you want to call it. It's a conspiracy in the open. And it's not people got this idea with conspiracy, like hundreds of leaders are flying off to Dr. Evil's private island and meeting in the dungeon of the castle to lay out their plans. They are. It's like the Geico commercial says. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works, at least not anymore. They're all like-minded people. So they're conspiring in the open with, again, the aim that they will maintain and continue to be the ruling elite and the rest of us their serfs. They just want to make sure they're in on the plan yeah. at the end so they're part of the ruling elite they will always have and we will always be the have-nots even though america at least you have the chance and equal opportunity to become a have if you've got some talent if you've got a knack if you're smart you come up with a, a uh, an invention of some sort or you've got at least a chance unlike a communist system of always being a serf. And that's why they hate and want to take down America. They can't let this freedom spread. Mm. Yeah, because it's it's freedom is liberating. I mean, I'm fortunate to have, I mean, it's obvious that I can tell that my the freedoms that I have in this country are being impended on, I mean, based off getting kicked off of social media for just telling the truth about things. And, uh, so, I mean, yeah, we're having freedoms pulled away and it definitely feels violating. And at the same time, I know still how blessed we are compared to other countries because I can get away with murder compared to what is allowed other places. So I'm grateful for that. And I also recognize in fairness to censorship. I mean, look, you could say that the government really roll, runs Twitter. You can say that if you wanted to. But the fact is that it's a business and they have the right to say you can't say this on my platform so i can bitch and moan all i want about it but i am using their platform so what we decided to do was just create our own platform and then we're going to say whatever we want yes you cannot be a free market capitalist and although again i do i mean i complain about the censorship but yes the bottom line is they are still a private platform but we have hope with Elon Musk now buying 9% of Twitter, that things could change at Twitter. And here's my story about censorship online, social media. I belong to like 13 different social media sites. I've been perma-banned from fascist book since July 4th of 2020. And that, <laughs> that date is not coincidental. No. Why not. they kicked me off. But I have a Twitter story. I'm still on Twitter and fighting, but I've been shadow banned since 2016, and here's why. I am one of 200 people that Hillary Clinton and political started the whole Russian collusion narrative over. Political wrote a story about the mighty 200. 200 of us, 
out of 300 plus million people in America as a danger to the Democrat Party and its movement towards socialism. And they targeted us and they censored us and they shadow banned us because they wanted the Russian collusion narrative. So I'm not a Russian bot. I'm a real person. You all see me talking to you. I'm not a Russian agent. You heard me talking about Putin very in Russia very negatively. So I'm none of those things. But Hillary tried to say little old me and 199 other people were Russian assets to start the Russian collusion. <laughs> I bet you didn't see that coming, did you? Uh, I mean, well, I, I knew that there was more to you than uh, what meets the eye. I knew you had other stuff going on, and you're not somebody to me that's going to be silenced willingly, and you're also not going to be afraid to put yourself out there to be silenced. Another reason why I like you so much, um, man. So, what do you? What are your goals after the book? Like, I mean, I, after the book, but what are your hopes to see with the book, and what do you want to see come out of it? Well, I certainly hope as many people as possible will read it. Again, do I expect to be a New York Times bestseller? No, because my book would not fit their agenda. They're not going to let that happen. Mm. So getting as many people to read it and then hopefully maybe write some additional books. But yeah, you're right. They're not going to stop me. No amount of death threats via telephone. And you heard the phone ring again earlier. Why are they calling me now? But yeah, I get death threats. I had before, I'll probably get more now, and I will continue to, because I will continue to be outspoken for freedom, for First Amendment, both speech and freedom of religion, which is one of the reasons why terror strikes is important. They want to kill us because we allow freedom. They want a fascist global caliphate. They want to control what you think and you do. They do not like our freedoms. And remember, we are the big Satan. First, they want to nuke Israel because they're the little Satan. But they hate us. And you had mentioned before about funding of terrorists. Well, Iran, and again, idiot Biden now wants to help fund Iran again so they can fund their proxy terrorist organizations and work towards wiping Israel off face of the earth first, but then we are our target. And I love Nostradamus, uh, and in the book I cover some of this, his, his uh, plot trains and whether they applied to 9-11 or a potential future nuclear attack by Iran on New York, because Arethusa is mentioned in his quatrain. And while Iran does not touch the Mediterranean now, as Persia, they did. So two great rocks warring or colliding, reddening the waters, could very well be an Iranian nuclear attack on the United States at some point in the future. And we currently have an administration that seems hell-bent on helping them get nukes. Sure when their stated it. goal is to destroy us, yeah. death to America, they mean it when they, not the average person, not the average Iranian doesn't mean it when they, they squawk it, they parrot it because they're under the thumb there. But the Ayatollahs believe it. 
They yeah. want to rush usher in the Mahdi. And Armageddon is part of that. Yeah. That's yeah, you're absolutely right. Joseph, uh, how do people buy your book and find you and support the work you're doing? Well, the, the uh, you can find me on any online platform. Uh, there are other books called Terror Strikes. So if you look, Terror Strikes, coming soon to a city near you, the subtitle all included, you'll find it on any online platform. You can walk into any bookstore. They can look it up and order it. Uh, but I do have a book website that is terrorstrikes.info, terrorstrikes.info. I also have an author a website, josephmleonard.us, because there's another author named Joseph Leonard. Uh, <laughs> go figure. That's why I've got to use the middle initial in there. And weirdly enough, he, he's in North Carolina and he writes Christian books. So if you don't put in Joseph M. Leonard, you might find him rather than me. So, so Joseph M. Leonard, and Leonard is spelled without an O. It looks like Leonard without an O. It's not French. It's not Leonard. It's Leonard, but without an O. And Joseph M. Leonard at US is my author site. So you got two ways to find me directly if you choose. And of course, Amazon. Uh, the ebook is exclusive through Amazon. If you're a Kindle Unlimited reader, you can buy my book or get my book and read it at no additional cost or fees to you if you're part of Kindle Unlimited. Cool. Well, and also, folks, you'll be able to go uh, when you see on our website, see this episode, you'll see links. Everything he just mentioned will be there for you. So you can click there as well. Joseph, you're, I, I dig you, man. Uh, I'm a fan. I, I don't necessarily agree with everything, but we are aligned. And, and at the same time, I think our heart is both aimed at the right place. And uh, I, I just, I appreciate your candor. I appreciate you being here. And uh, I look forward to reading the book, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Joshua. Take God care. You God bless you and God bless everyone looking in. <laughs> See you soon, man. Wow. Super interesting guy. I, uh, I like that. And I'm, I'm also glad that I didn't do all the, I didn't have a bunch of preconceived things, or I'm sorry, I'm glad I didn't have a lot of facts ahead of this because I enjoyed this conversation a lot. I love the flow of this, love the energy of it. And, and somehow talking about terrorism was upbeat, like who would have thought, but that's the nature of his book. So what are you going to do? So go buy his book, check it out. I could use a, a real life story that's, you know, like uplifting and has has some substance to it other than killing each other and terrorism, all that. Sounds awesome. And I think, I really believe it would make a great movie too, or even a great series. Hmm. I'd like to see that happen. All right, folks, God bless you. Thank you for being here. We will see you next time.